Recovery in any form is difficult. It takes strength. It takes support. And it takes timing. Today on Stories and Strategies, how do we know if we're even ready for recovery? Dixie Chicks, not ready to make nice their 2006 hit on the Columbia Nashville label. My guest today is Amanda Coleman, who just a couple of months ago left her position as the Director of Communications with the Greater Manchester Police Department in the UK and has started her own consultancy now. Hello, Amanda. Hi, okay. How are things where you are? I, I take it it's raining somewhere in the UK right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, it's what you're always going to say. Unfortunately, after a very glorious few weeks, it is actually raining. <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky. Amanda is a fellow of the Chartered Institute for Public Relations, have been for 12 years now, a, a member at least. I've been, a, I've, been a, I've been a member. Sadly, I just, I just found today I've been a member for 20 years. 20? Um, Yes, 20 years a member. Um, I was made a fellow about three years ago, three, four years ago. And Amanda is a former chair of the Public Relations and Communications Association, or the PRCA, and a former chair of the Association of Police Communicators. She's a graduate of the University of Bolton and a former journalist, and I believe somewhere near Bolton in Wigan is where we find you today, right? Yes, you gotta gotta love Wigan, absolutely. Okay. And, and go Bolton Wanderers all the way. <laughs> yeah. Please don't, they don't mention the football. <laughs> Amanda, over the course of your career, you've dealt with some major crises, such as the 2017 Manchester Arena bombing. 22 people died, hundreds hurt. The murder of two police officers in Manchester in 2012 and riots in the city the year before. As an overall impression, how have you seen COVID-19 unfolding. Yeah, I mean, it's been one of the oddest experiences because um, we've all been touched by it. Um, no matter where you are in the world, everybody's been touched by it. So there's not many things that happen that have such an impact. Um, I think the, the, the case, I suppose, over here in the UK has been... Um, I think there was a there was a lack of preparation. Um, I think we're suddenly finding there was lots of things we could have done to be more ready and more prepared. And um, so you're almost running to catch up. It's been a real challenge in, in lots of levels, really. Um, in terms of the communication, it started really directive, which you'd expect, um, you know, stay home, uh, you know, this is what you're expected to do. And I think the figures said something like 90% of people in the UK actually did what they were told, which was mm. something I don't think anybody quite anticipated mm. because, you know, we don't, we don't take kindly to uh, being told exactly what to do, um, but did. So people really took it to heart. I think the challenge has now come that we are some two and a half months along and 
the messaging has now got uh, complicated. You've got lots of different messages for different places, lots of different messages for different business sectors. And, uh, and the government are still trying to do very much a centralised uh, control, which, uh, which is causing lots of problems in terms of mixed messages. Um, so that, that is a, a massive challenge. And, and part of that is not, we've got localised uh, authorities but there doesn't seem to be any way that that's connected up properly to the central um, kind of government approach. So it, it's created some massive challenges and, and uh, definitely lots of things that could be um, and should be improved. You, you were talking about um, not fully prepared, not fully ready. And I'm sure on one hand, you would acknowledge as a crisis communications expert, you can't ever be fully prepared, but what you can do is prepare, prepare, prepare. You've published a book, Crisis Communication Strategies, How to Prepare in Advance, Respond Effectively, and Recover in Full. It's available to anyone who's listening here. Tell us a, a little about the book. Yeah, I mean, the, the book came uh, really after dealing with the Manchester Arena attack that you mentioned, because the experience really, um, I think, showed for me a new way of approaching crisis communication. Because we had the plans, we had the processes, we had the policies, we had the procedures, we'd done lots of work to prepare. What we hadn't ever really considered properly was the people that were affected. So the bit that I tried to get through in the book is when a crisis happens, you have to start to look at it from the outside in. Uh, as a communicator rather than the inside out um, and make sure that you can keep responding you know to the people that were affected at the very heart of what you're doing so um so the book focuses right the way from planning to the other i've got lots of things that i'm quite passionate about and and the key thing for me is recovery because we focus huge amounts of attention if we are planning for a crisis to in the first minutes the first hour the first day we spend a lot less time focusing on how to deal with the move to recovery. And for me, that's when it gets way more challenging, way more complex. And, you know, we, we definitely need to devote more time to that. So in the book, I, I, that's what I do. I, I spend a whole chapter um, going into detail about the recovery phase. And you've got um, some and, examples as well um, that you talk about in your book. Yeah. And I tried to, to pick a whole range of things. So, um, uh, and yeah, I oh know, place you know and things all around the world as well so yeah hurricane katrina gets a mention um there was the norway terror attacks um in 2011 which i, I kind of focus on um right the way through to um christchurch new zealand last year okay and we've got a couple of examples um some audio examples from crises that have different companies um i'm gonna play a couple of clips here uh one well, both out of North America, but one involving a British CEO, I'm sorry. Uh, first is the bad example from the British CEO, BP's Tony Hayward, during the Gulf Coast oil spill. And the second clip we'll play is what I would call the good example by the Canadian CEO, Michael McCain, after the 2008 listeriosis outbreak. Let's listen to, to the two different approaches here. Sunday, BP's CEO apologized. I'm sorry. Actually, we're sorry for the massive disruption it's caused to their lives and you know we're there's no one who wants this thing over more than i do you know i'd like my life back 
life here may never be the same. The water and all that lives in and around it could be harmed for years. My name is Michael McCain. As you may know, listeria was found in some of our products. Even though listeria is a bacteria commonly found in many foods and in the environment, we work diligently to eliminate it. When listeria was discovered in the product, we launched immediate recalls to get it off the shelf. Then we shut the plant down. Tragically, our products have been linked to illnesses and loss of life. To Canadians who are ill and to the families who have lost loved ones, I offer my deepest sympathies. Words cannot begin to express our sadness for your pain. Maple Leaf Foods is 23,000 people who live in a culture of food safety. We have an unwavering commitment to keeping your food safe with standards well beyond regulatory requirements. But our best efforts failed and we are deeply sorry. This is the toughest situation we faced in 100 years as a company. We know this has shaken your confidence in us. I commit to you that our actions are guided by putting your interests first. So two very different approaches there. I mean, I haven't, obviously, I, I'm, I remember quite clearly the, the BP um, case. Um, and it is something that I do mention in the book. I have to say, I haven't heard uh, the, the listeria, uh, listeriosis um, case, case or, or the uh, interview before. But absolutely, you know, what? totally right. Focusing on the people, recognising the massive impact it's had on um, you know, on people and really focusing on those that are affected and, you know, not trying to hide behind, well, there'll be an investigation, well, we'll have to find out what's happened, but being really upfront about something went wrong and we, we, we take the responsibility of that. So, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's a difficult, it's a horrible situation, but definitely the right way to approach it, really authentic, really honest. Um, get the information out there. And, and that's response to the crisis. That's probably the right way to go. You've published the Recovery Communication Readiness Assessment Guide. Again, ready to, it's available to any one of our, our listeners anywhere in the world upon request. And it's for organizations planning for recovery from COVID-19. How can we first define what recovery is? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one, really, because when does a crisis end and recovery start? And um, I think people at the moment are trying really hard to, to grapple with what that is. And it's something the recovery um, communication readiness assessment came out of the book, really. It's, um, part of the work I did with the book was to come up with this. So, so I think there's seven key questions which look at, you know, what's the, the nature of the stage of the response? What does that look like? Um, are people still being affected severely? Is the crisis under any kind of control? And it goes on in terms of uh, the resources that are committed. And one of the most important bits for me, which is what's the public mood and tone? What's the, what's the public's view? Um, and all those for me need, need to be able to answer positively and feel comfortable that you're, you're, you, know, you, you can answer those effectively to be able to then say, yeah, I think we're in a move towards recovery. The, the, the issue around mood and tone is absolutely critical because there can be lots of occasions where the business is moving heading towards recovery and planning to recovery, but actually you can't go public with that because the public are not there they're still suffering dealing with the crisis. So you can't have the mixed, mixed approach. I think it causes too many problems. 
what I was going to note was the public is not one big homogenous blob. There are some of us quite ready to recover and some of us, don't you dare, start moving toward recovery. Yeah, I think that's true. We do tend to try and talk about the public as a whole mass but I think what you need to be attuned to is um, the different messages the different uh, approaches where are people how are they feeling um, but never try and run too too far too fast I think there's a the definite need for you know people have to go right we're on to recovery and start to plow forward and you've got to take it recovery comes at the time it takes it, you you can't race ahead to it and particularly at the moment you know this position we're in with covid is very different and the crisis element of it is going to take a considerable amount of time um so i keep saying we're in a mid-crisis pre-recovery phase probably at the moment can you walk us through how we should be looking at recovery planning is there a step process are we in the mid predeterminate post-recovery phase or however you just described it <laughs> mid mid crisis pre-recovery yeah i think um i think it's it's i have in the book for what i call the four hours of recovery which is looking at reviewing rebuilding resources and re-establishing the review element is very much to look at everything that's happened during the crisis what have you done what does it look like what was the response what was the where were the gaps where were the things you could improve and, and what, use as much data and insight you can possibly get from from where you are the rebuild element is to go back and remember what was the business's vision what was what was it you before all this hit what was the focus um look at the way it operated look at you know how things effectively were if you had issues that you were dealing with then because you know everything wasn't rosy and then suddenly COVID happens you know there was things that we were obviously all dealing with before that but then you need to get to we're going to possibly end up in some cases in some businesses with the need to go to a blank piece of paper and to start again to go right what is it that we're about and how do we make it happen from the world that we know we're in now resources um, is looking at the right people in the right place to be able to do the right thing and that's going to be a challenge because you know everything's going to be put under so much additional pressure because of the financial elements and the economic um, sort of situation that we're all going to face to get to the re-establish which is the blueprint the roadmap how you move forward so it's for me the, the comms and i've been talking to a number of, of kind of senior comms people over the last few days and it's very much they need to be right in that business change business approach making sure that whatever the recovery communications looks like it's absolutely married alongside the business recovery um plans and the business um objectives and things because they'll have to change because they'll you know the, the world has massively changed yeah brilliant sometimes that white sheet of paper will lead to the blueprint and, and you're describing such a strategic approach to recovery there would be those who i'm afraid amanda would disagree with you such as the Duke of Wellington, played by Stephen Fry, in episode three of Black Adder. Tell me, do you ever stop bullying and shouting at the lower orders? Never! There's only one way to win a campaign. Shout, shout, and shout again! You don't think, then, that inspired leadership and tactical ability have anything to do with it? No! It's all down to shouting! <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Do you know it's sad that I've worked with people like that. <laughs> is that a chapter in your book? Have you have you put that chapter in or no? I yeah, sort of in that I have got a chapter on leadership, so which is very much not necessarily just focused on uh, the communication leadership. It's it's about as a CEO, as the person in charge of an organisation, where's your responsibilities and what you should be doing. So sort of gets it's gets covered in that but yeah it's uh it's a it's a sad situation that i actually do remember working with people over the years like that mm-hmm. blackout or distributed originally on bbc one so amanda what does communications look like in the recovery phase yeah i mean the key bit for communications is i said is very much marrying it right alongside the business it needs to be really embedded with the business developments and the the challenge is that in a lot of cases the communications function is moving slightly faster than the business um and so gets slightly frustrated by uh by this the sort of um, speed with which the business perhaps reinvents itself and and starts to to change um but it's very much like I said, you know, following the four R's, the, you know, making sure that they have good data and insight, um, making sure, like we were talking about the, the public, it's making the move from broadcasting information to getting back to the conversations and the engagement, um, because the public have got to be, the public, the homogenous public, but the, you know, people have got to be part of the way businesses recover and the way businesses develop. Um, we can't. They can't do it in isolation because they'll lose touch with their customers, their service users, um, and and so it's got to be very much part of that. So definitely, the communications and recovery needs to be more um, uh, more engaged with stakeholders, with customers, um, in a way that you don't and you couldn't try and do at the start of a crisis. Wonderful, and you've got two pieces that will help organisations. Anywhere in the world, because we're, we're starting to mass listenership in different parts of the world, which is great. Uh, you've published the Recovery Communication Readiness Assessment Guide. If someone wants to find out more about that, they can send you an email, as well as your book, which I would assume they need to reach out to your publisher, How to Prepare in Advance, Respond Effectively, and Recover in Full. Yeah, it's available from the publishers a, a Kogan page, but you can get it on Amazon. So it's on normal, normal bookshops. Great. And if you'd like to send a message to my guest, Amanda Coleman, you can email her at Amanda, just as it sounds, at Amanda Coleman Combs. Amanda Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N-C-O-M-M-S dot C-O dot U-K. And Amanda, we've got your email address up um, at the front end of this uh, podcast as well. Thank you so much for your, your time today. That's great. Lovely. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. If you like what you heard today, would you do us a favor and recommend this podcast to one friend? And if you have an idea for an episode or just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.